to uh, Psalm 131, which we read earlier. And you'll find that on page 519 of the Church Bibles. Psalm 131. It's quite a short psalm, so you might have blinked and missed it as we read it. Uh, So I'm going to suggest that we all read it out together uh, so that we uh, get uh, to know this. Uh, You'll see it's called A Song of Ascents of David. Well, I wonder how you felt uh, as you heard it read and as you read it out uh, just now. Did you think of these words? Well, that is that is precisely how I feel this morning. That just captures it uh, just perfectly. Uh, perhaps you're thinking, I, I remember feeling like that once. Uh, that that f- sounds familiar, but that still feels quite far from where I am right now. I remember my heart sang that, but that feels so different. Uh, maybe some of you are thinking, well, that sounds nice, uh, but that's completely foreign to me. I've, I've never felt like that, but but sounds all right. But I don't really see how I could ever sing that myself. Maybe you, you're here and, and you've heard that and you think, well, that just sounds weird. No, thank you. Uh, totally unattractive. Uh, it sounds weak. It sounds bizarre. Uh, I, I wouldn't really want that. Well, if that is not really a description of how uh, your, you feel, where your heart is, uh, if this is not your song this morning, I wonder what is. Uh, perhaps you will identify more easily uh, with what uh, the teacher and counsellor David Paulison has written as the anti-psalm uh, to this psalm. It, it's a great way of meditating on scripture, of, especially with the psalms, is wondering, well, what would the opposite of this be? And see, well... Which one am I closest to? If, if you, you may not want to admit that this is where your heart is this morning, but this is the anti-psalm to Psalm 131. <coughs> self, my heart is proud. I am absorbed in myself. And my eyes are haughty. I look down on other people. And I chase after things too great and too difficult for me. So, of course, I'm noisy and restless inside. It comes naturally, like a hungry infant fussing on his mother's lap. Like a hungry infant, I'm restless with my demands and worries. I scatter my hopes onto anything and everybody all the time. Maybe that feels a bit more like what you feel like this morning. But it's hardly the song you would want to sing, is it? It's hardly more attractive than the psalm itself. The great thing about the psalms is they're so rich and diverse in the way that they deal with our hearts. Uh, Sometimes they, they do perfectly capture how we feel, and they give us the words that best express that. And But sometimes the psalms are sort of models uh, to, to, to train our hearts in what to say, how to feel, uh, what to sing before God. Uh, sometimes we need to sing them, not so much because it is how we are feeling, but we, we need to train our hearts uh, to feel this way. We can, we can teach our hearts to sing the right songs. Uh, we can tell our hearts, this, this is what you should want to sing. This is what should come out of you naturally. Uh, one day. If not today, then one day soon. 
So in that sense, these songs are ideal for giving us a sort of a, a health check for our hearts. They're wonderful ways of comparing, well, how is my heart compared to uh, the godly song uh, that we find here? And so let's think about, well, how can I get from where I am uh, to a place where I sing this song? And so you need to think about, well, how do you go about learning any song or piece of music? Uh, if you've ever had piano lessons or anything, you'll know that uh, you have to start looking at uh, what are actually apparently rather boring details, but very important details. You need to look at the time signature, the key signature, uh, what clef you have, uh, tempo markings, all kinds of sort of context details that get you going, that tell you where to go. And so we have some details here that we need to deal with uh, before we can start learning the song. And they're details that help us to understand the context of the psalm. Uh, that might sound quite a strange idea to you, maybe, a context for a psalm. Uh, but uh, but it, it's a carefully crafted collection of songs. And so you'll see that title at the top, A Song of Ascents of David. And if you look elsewhere on the page, uh, you'll see that this Song of Ascents uh, is surrounded by other songs of ascent because it is one of a collection uh, that, surprisingly, is called The Songs of Ascent. And there are 15 in total. So uh, we start with 121. And so we actually sang the second uh, Song of Ascents uh, as our opening psalm. And then it goes all the way to Psalm 134. So a collection of 15. And probably these are five sets of three psalms. You've got five stages in the Songs of Ascent. So that in Psalm 121, uh, you've got, uh, I lift my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. It's a, it's a song about an ascent. It's a journey up to Jerusalem. And so as people would go f- maybe three or four times a year for these annual feasts, uh, everyone would pilgrimage up to Jerusalem. This would be the songs that they would sing. Uh, if you were, when I was little anyway, we, we had sort of maybe about three cassettes uh, that we'd put in to play on the way. And, and it would be the same songs over and over again, which I'm sure my parents just drove them mad. Uh, but for us, was, these were the songs we always sang on, on car journeys. And well, this is the album that you would put in uh, if you're going on the ascent to Jerusalem for one of the feasts. You'd start with 120 and go all the way to 134. And 121, you've not quite gone yet. You're, you're getting ready and you've lifted your eyes to the hills those daunting, dangerous hills, and you're wondering, how on earth am I going to make this journey again? Where is my help going to come from to get there this time? And as always, my help comes from the Lord, who made heaven and earth. And so that first trio ends uh, where we began our service today. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. I'm looking forward to this great feast. I'm looking forward to standing in the gates of Jerusalem. And so where we are today, we are at uh, the last of the fourth set. We're just before the last set of three. That final set of three is when you've made it to the feast, and this is what you sing at the feast. You've made it. You're at the worship festival. And so this one is the one just before that. The journey's over. And you're getting ready. 
You're getting ready for the feast. That's the context of this psalm. This is the psalm sung to prepare the hearts of the people of Israel for the worship feast, the great festival. And so the next thing that will help us to sing this song is to go over each of the parts. Look at what each singer sings. Different people will sing different parts. And it's good to know not just what you sing, but what other people sing uh, as well. And so we're going to look at different people who sing this psalm down the ages. Not because the psalm in any way changes meaning, uh, but just because uh, knowing what different singers sing uh, will deepen our understanding of this psalm. It doesn't change, but it will deepen our understanding of it. Uh, if you go to a wedding, uh, most of the vows you hear, you will hear them twice. And, and so the first time you'll hear, uh, I, Jack, take you, Jill, to be my wife, uh, it's not actually the groom saying it, is it? It's the minister or the officiant who's saying that. And the meaning doesn't change. It's still about Jack taking Jill to be his wife. Uh, but the first time you hear it, that's just preparing you to hear it, giving you a sense of what's about to happen. You get excited to hear your friend Jack saying it, and then Jack says it. Uh, And so the meaning hasn't changed, but you get a deeper understanding uh, each time. So hearing the different singers uh, will hopefully give us a a richer perspective on what this song says. So let's, uh, the first singer, let's look there, uh, for Israel. Uh, The Old Testament church is the song written by King David for the Old Testament church. And for Israel, the Old Testament church, this was a song for settling in. As I've said. So this is the song that comes at the end of the journey, uh, just before the celebration begins. And so this is a song uh, for settling in. Uh, they, they were nervous about the journey, we saw in Psalm 121. Uh, and, and while they knew that the Lord would keep them, that they, they would have help from the Lord who made heaven and earth, that doesn't mean that they would have always had an easy journey. Uh, maybe... Uh, well, some, many of them would have surely been tired after that long journey. Some may have sustained injuries on the way. Uh, maybe some people had run-ins with thieves on the road. You know, the, the parable of the Good Samaritan, uh, who went on, on the road uh, and, and met with thieves. Uh, if families would have been going up together, uh, more than likely some of them would have been getting on each other's nerves. Uh, maybe uh, some family members and friends had had to be left behind this time. They weren't able to make the trip. Uh, maybe some people who were brought on the trip who would have preferred to have stayed at home, not really all that keen, got work to catch on, catch up on, and all kinds of stuff to do back home. Maybe they'd had a run-in with someone at a previous time they went, and maybe they were a bit nervous about bumping into them again and hoping they wouldn't have to talk to them. Others maybe had had a wonderful trip, uh, quite pleased with themselves at how well they did on the trip, Um, just going on and on to everyone around them about what good time they made and how they managed to outsmart their GPS and kind of they found a better route than they would have been told to go on otherwise. And so maybe they're just quite proud of themselves. Others maybe have had a perfectly unremarkable journey, pretty normal uh, uh, just a standard trip, uh, maybe coughing and sneezing on, on all the way for some people. Uh, but now they've just got to focus on getting ready for uh, this feast. And so now they need a song for all of those people 
with all of these different experiences of the journey, they need a song to settle in, to get ready for the feast. And so this is what they sing. They start with verse 1. My heart is not lifted up. So the, so the proud, they need to calm down. My heart is not lifted up. They humble themselves. My, heart, my eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous, or even, even another way of translating that, too difficult for me. Those, those who have had a hard journey, uh, they need to learn it's not just about figuring out uh, everything that they've gone through uh, on the journey. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, things that went wrong, they, they, they might want to try and figure out what went wrong and why and how, and, but they're saying, no, don't try and figure out all the answers about what, why what happened happened. What they need to do is not to raise their eyes too high, not to try and think above their pay grade, but to bring their hearts down, bring their eyes down, not to try and figure out everything. What do they need, verse 2? I have calmed and quietened my soul like a weaned child with its mother. That's what they need, Uh, a weaned child. uh, Just one word in the original language, uh, sort of, Probably about three or four year old in, in this culture, uh, a young toddler, a young child. And so that this is, this is the example that David gives us, is a young child. And so, so children here, uh, you can teach cops how to get ready for worship. And I know that because the Bible tells me so. And to help us understand what I mean by that, I'm going to tell you the story of Tommy and the terrible Tuesday. Uh, the Tuesday should have been a wonderful day. It should have been a very exciting Tuesday. Because it was the day that Tommy, with Mummy and Daddy, were going on holiday. It was a wonderful day. And they'd got packed. They were all ready on the Monday night. So Tuesday morning, all they'd have to do is just wake up, get dressed, get breakfast, and then they can go out on their journey and go on holiday. And things started off okay. Tommy woke up. And uh, he was playing with his favourite bear, Alfred. Uh, and then his mum was calling him down for breakfast. But he was having too much fun with Alfred the bear. And so by the time he eventually got down, his Cheerios were just completely soggy. And there's pretty much nothing worse than soggy Cheerios. But they hadn't, didn't have any time. There were no other Cheerios left. They had to just, he had just had to eat the Cheerios that were there. Not the best breakfast he'd ever had, but had to move on. So they get in the car after a pretty disappointing breakfast. And they make decent progress on the journey. They're getting there. And uh, they stop halfway for lunchtime. And it's at that point that they all realize Alfred the bear is back at home. They forgot to bring Alfred. Well, that's just awful. And they were over halfway... It was too late really to go back, otherwise they'd have no holiday. He had to spend the week without Alfred the bear. So they sat at this uh, picnic table by the side of the road to get their lunch. And what does mummy bring out of the bag? Broccoli and Brussels sprout sandwiches. I know, it's awful, isn't it? I mean, she had never made broccoli and Brussels sprout sandwiches before. 
he'd never known of anybody ever making broccoli and Brussels sprout sandwiches before. I don't know if you ever have heard of that. I certainly haven't. I said, what on earth was Mummy thinking? This was too wonderful and difficult for Tommy to grapple with. But it was the only thing he could have for lunch, so he bravely gulped it down and just trooped on. This was not a great Tuesday, was it? This is a pretty terrible Tuesday. Well, by the mid-afternoon, Daddy was quite tired, so they stopped for a break. And there was a little playground where they stopped, uh, with lots of children playing. That's a good prospect for him to find some friends to play with. Uh, but when he got there, the children were all sort of in the middle of a game. They didn't want anybody new to join in. So he couldn't really join in with to play. Very sad. And so just as he turns around to run back to his mummy, his eyes fill with tears and he falls over and scrapes his knee. Talk about a terrible Tuesday. But that evening in the cottage, when they finally made it, they had some dinner that wasn't broccoli and Brussels sprout sandwiches, although he could still kind of taste it in the back of his mouth. Daddy lit a great big fire. There's a wonderful fireplace there. There was a wonderful big soft chair. And so Mummy pulled up the big chair by the fire and got this wonderful big blanket and scooped Tommy up in her arms and sat down. And there they were for the evening. And that was enough for Tommy. She could just see a little smile curling up. Alfred the bear was still at home and would be for the rest of the week. Uh, he could still have that taste of broccoli and Brussels sprout sandwiches. And his knee still hurt quite a bit. And he was still sad about those children not playing with him. But Tommy was in his mother's arms. And at that moment, that was all that mattered. And that is a little bit of what David is getting at uh, in this psalm. That is, that is what he, he wants us to be like. Uh, wants the, Isra- the Church of Israel to be like as they get to their feast. So if, if that is what the Old Testament church sang, uh, what do we sing? How about the New Testament church? Well, for us, this is a song for Saturday nights. Uh, for Israel, uh, yes, the, the, the Sabbath uh, was there, but their real focus was these annual feasts, just a few times a year. That was when the church really gathered together. Uh, But for us, the focus in the New Testament uh, is every single Lord's Day. That is the great privilege as we go from Old to New Covenant. We have every single Lord's Day. Uh, At the church uh, where I serve, uh, there's a little, uh, there's a Welsh school that meets in the area. And knowing that they had uh, a Welsh-speaking minister in the area, they came by and they asked me lots of questions. Uh, One asked me, where do you sleep? Uh, in a house, obviously, but seemed to think I lived there. And when asked, do, do you believe in Christmas? And I said, well, yes, it's fine if people want to celebrate that, but what we really believe in is Sunday. And so we, we have these sort of cultural festivals, and we're happy if the culture wants to celebrate uh, various aspects of the gospel. Uh, but the real privilege we have is not just a few times a year, but the real privilege we have is the Lord's Day. We don't travel for pilgrimages, uh, but for us, every single week is a pilgrimage. Uh, We march on every day. And if you know that old hymn, 
We nightly pitch our moving tent a day's march nearer home. This great blessing of the new covenant uh, is to gather together each week. Uh, And each week, each Lord's Day, is a foretaste of that great feast to come that we are all gradually marching to. So just as this song helped the Old Testament church in Israel to settle in after that long journey, uh, this song is ideal to help us prepare for the Lord's Day each and every week. It's a great song for Saturday nights. Well, if that's the case, well, how about this other singer? Uh, For Jesus, Jesus who sang this song, what is this? This is a song of cosmic submission. Jesus sang the Psalms. He came to sing with his brothers. Psalm 22 22, which is also quoted in Hebrews as the words of Jesus. I will tell of your name to my brothers. In the midst of the congregation, I will sing your praise. Jesus came to sing with us as our brother. But if we look at verse 1, we would start to wonder, how could Jesus, who is God, ever sing this song? (coughs) How could God ever speak of his heart being raised too high or of things that are too great and marvellous for him. Surely if anyone is allowed to have their heart lifted up and their eyes lifted up, surely it's God. But, But this is precisely the wonder of the Incarnation. The second person of the Trinity took on a second nature, a human nature. He literally became a child in his mother's arms. And so he could sing this song, absolutely. And while as God he knew all things, as man he had to learn, and he had to grow, and he had to face uh, harder trials and tests than we have ever ever faced and of course he had, he faced the greatest trial that anyone has faced at the cross and yet he didn't try to outsmart the plan he didn't try to outsmart the people trying to take him to the cross but he humbly prayed not my will but yours in the garden of gethsemane jesus calmed and quietened his soul like a weaned child with his mother and he did that for us he did that for you and me as we come to this uh, advent season we'll be singing lots of carols uh, and uh, one of my favorite ones uh, in english anyway uh, welsh carols are in another league and they're wonderful uh, but the best one of the best english carols i think is that uh, carol thou who wast rich beyond all splendor all for love's sake became as poor And that second verse says, Thou who art God beyond all praising, all for love's sake, becamest man, stooping so low, but sinners raising heavenward by thine eternal plan. That is the glory of Jesus. That is the glory of his singing this song. Because he did that, we can then move on and make perfect sense of verse 3. 
O Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. It is precisely because this was a song of cosmic submission for Jesus that for absolutely anyone this could become a song of salvation. So that's uh, the final thing, the final, final singer. Anyone could sing this as a song of salvation because Jesus faced God's wrath for us. Far greater, far more difficult than anyone can get their heads around. Uh, we can hope in God because Jesus faced that for us. How do we prepare to worship God? How can we learn to sing this song? That is what we need. Uh, we need to look at the different singers uh, and see the different things we can learn. Look at all that Jesus did for us in coming to sing this song alongside us. Literally having been a child in his mother's arms. And look at what Jesus Christ offers you because he did this. Uh, Islam does not offer you this. Uh, you can't even be sure that the God of Islam cares about you enough to hear you singing. Uh, let alone sing along with you. Uh, Buddhism uh, is more than happy for you to come and quieten your soul, uh, so long as you quieten it out of existence. More than happy for you just to turn that volume dial down and down and down, but it'll want you to go further and just that final click off. Um, atheism uh, will, will very loudly uh, offer you nothing. Uh, agnosticism will, at best, uh, get you to where that anti-psalm was, just quiet, uh, restless and fussy. That's the best you'll get. That the Roman church will have you constantly striving, yearning to find and earn your own hope. But through the lips of King David, uh, the Holy Spirit tells us to hope in the Lord. Uh, from this time forth, notice... Uh, not not tomorrow, uh, not next week, not when you're a little bit older, uh, but he's telling you to hope in him right now. Uh, if, maybe you've ne- you feel like, I've never hoped in him, I don't know what that means, and that sounds like quite a radical change. Um, am I allowed to do that right now? You're commanded to do that right now. Uh, you should do that right now. You can, you can say, just using the words of this psalm, Lord, I'm sorry that I have ignored you, my maker. I've tried to be the one who is in ultimate control. I've tried to be the one who understands everything in my life. I have tried to live as above my pay grade, looking down on others and looking down on you. But you can say, by your spirit, I will quieten my soul. I will put myself in your arms like a child with his mother. I will put my hope in you. Today, you can say that to him today. You can use these words to prepare to become a worshipper of God. And not just now, but notice as well forevermore. Because this is a hope that will see you through eternity. This will prepare you to worship God every single day of life. This will be good for every single Saturday. And it will be good for preparing yourself to worship God for all eternity. And surely that is a hope 
that is worth singing about. So hope in God from this time forth and forevermore. Let's pray. My heart's not proud, O Lord, nor haughty is my eye. I do not occupy myself with things too great or high. My spirit I have come, my heart is pacified, my soul is like a little child close to its mother's side. Just like a little child, my soul is calm in me. Now one day.